Hi, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Miles Engels, and I'm a master's student at the University of Kentucky. In our psychopathology class, we've been given the opportunity to create a podcast where we talk about the intersection of a demographic and mental illness. As a lifelong athlete, I've always been interested in what it takes to get to the next level. Sometimes athletes can be hindered by, men- hindered by mental illness, though. In today's podcast, I have a very special guest. Not only does she have experience in sport as she's an athlete herself, but she also has considerable experience helping people manage mental illness. Her name is Dr. Judith Tutton. She's a clinical psychologist. And not just that, she's my mom. So that makes this podcast even more special. Welcome, mom. Why don't you give a little background and then we'll jump right into it. Well, thank you for that awesome introduction. I have to say that when you said you were a lifelong athlete, I was thinking, oh, well, I'm a lifelong anxiety sufferer. So this is perfect for me. But I'm not sure that I'm an athlete, though. I run and do yoga, but but I am a clinical psychologist. That is for sure. Um, I have been, yeah, I got my PhD in 1984. And I know that's shocking. Take a breath. And I've been practicing ever since uh, in various capacities, um, always as a clinician to some extent, but I've done some teaching and some training. And about, I don't know, 15 years ago, I also got a life coaching certification. So I do life coaching as well. And at the the present time, I'm working from my home office, of course, like most people are, um, doing uh, video therapy and coaching um, and in my own private practice, which I've been doing ever since I moved to Georgia about 25 years ago. Well, awesome. That was a better introduction than I could have ever given. So I appreciate you doing that. And you said you're not an athlete mom. Like, could you tell people that you've run two marathons and you do half half marathons and you run like 10 miles on a Saturday? So just so everyone knows that. Yeah, but, you know, I guess I think of athletes as being, um, you know, kind of the kind of people that you are aware. And of course, I forgot to transfer that call. So it's just going to keep beeping. Sorry about that. Um, you know, who are really lifelong. I mean, when I was a kid, I rode bikes and played a little paddleball, but that was about it. Okay. Well, an so, athlete, as, as we know, is just someone who moves their body, and you do that quite often. Yes, I definitely do that, and I think it's, it's helped my anxiety in the long term, so, since that's the subject of, of today. Right? Yeah, so we'll hit, we'll hit two mental illnesses, but I think a good place to start is anxiety, because you have mentioned that already. So for someone who may not understand what they're experiencing, what, what's the best way to describe anxiety, do you think? Um, yeah, that's a really hard question because there are so many different kinds of, you know, um, manifestations of anxiety from like, you know, the spider phobic to the person with generalized anxiety who's, you know, worrying and anxious about everything. Um, and I think the thing is that most people know that there's something wrong, even if they have not labeled it as anxiety. Although I have to say that with the internet, I think that at this point, most people come in and they kind of know they have anxiety. You know, they might not know uh, the specific form. For example, someone who is driving and, and is always thinking that they've run someone over to the extent that they'll go back and look and make sure like they may not know that's OCD and that that's a pretty common, you know, obsessive thought. So 
helping them frame the anxiety. Um, and then it depends on whether their anxiety is largely cognitive, where they're worrying and self-critical or more sort of physiological where they're having either panic attacks or near panic attacks um, or some combination of the two. So trying to, you know, first figure out myself what I think is going on with them and so that I can then say, hey, well, you know, this is, this is, you know, clinical anxiety and let's talk about, uh, you know, what we might be able to do about that. So I think that that's, excuse me, really interesting. The part where you bring up about whether it's cognitive or not, because as we know, particularly when it comes to performance anxiety for athletes, it's both psychological and physiological. So what are some of the signs and symptoms of anxiety that an athlete might be feeling? Yeah, I, I think that anxiety is often both cognitive and physical. Um, yeah, but you're right, not always. So for athletes, um, you know, you know, this is not particularly my, my area of expertise, but <laughs> I think in general, um, it's something like being um, worried about either specific performance or performance in training or going to training, um, maybe being with the team, being with the coach, anticipating that something negative is going to happen, that they're, they're not going to perform well. Um, and maybe having that very physical anxiety reaction where they're anticipating going uh, to training and their heart is racing and you know, their mouth is dry and maybe feeling a little faint, that kind of thing. Um, and so I think, you know, for athletes and for anyone, once you sort of recognize that you're not, your pattern has changed, like something is off, that's when you start to think, ah. Oh, Maybe this is more than just a little something that's going to, you know, pass in a, a day. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that kind of makes me think about like, at what point does it turn from just like a little bit of performance anxiety where like all my palms are a little sweaty, I can feel my shoulders are a little tense into like a generalized anxiety disorder where it transfers to your life off the field as well or off the court or outside of competition. Well, you know, that's, that's a really good question. I knew you were going to ask me about performance anxiety with you know, athletes. And so I did, as one does when thinking, trying to sort of formulate something that you haven't thought about in terms of diagnosis. I did consult the DSM. And <laughs> lo and behold, performance anxiety is a specific category of social anxiety, which I have to admit, I did not know. Um, so you can have only performance anxiety and that constitutes social anxiety. Um, so that is a, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be generalized anxiety to still be, you know, sort of classifiable as uh, an anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm not a huge labeling person. I have to say this. So I, I find that it's more useful often to understand what the individual is going through and then be able to try to home in and work on that. Um, but that said, I think if it's just a little performance anxiety, you know, you might experience it before a game, right? So that's kind of normal, right? Mm -hmm. Most people who perform, um, whether it's uh, sports or music uh, or even teaching, right, have a little bit of performance anxiety. And again, it's kind of, they know their pattern, right? That happens once I get going, I'm fine. It's all, it's all good. But when that anxiety rises to the level of being um, 
really distressing so that you're like vomiting before a game um, or, you know, you're so anxious that you're vomiting or you can't function um, in, in the, you're like, you can't perform, right? It's interfering with your performance, your concentration, or as you suggested earlier, it's spilling over into other things. So your relationships mm -hmm. are suffering. You're constantly, you can't sleep because you're constantly worrying about what's going to be happening the next Saturday or, you know, all of that. Um, it comes back to the individual experiencing their own pattern as changing and becoming like, if not intolerable, really uncomfortable. Um, and I think from the outside, it's like what most people would recognize as being sort of disproportionate and excessive. Right. Right. So, so then when I think of, you know, it being disproportionate and excessive, it sounds like it's just really consuming and we all feel varying levels of anxiety prior to an exam or a presentation or a game, et cetera. So from your experience working with an athlete like myself, when I was uh, <laughs> competing, like what kind of tools and methods for mitigating some of the more negative effects of anxiety would you recommend? Um, yeah. I mean, I think there are so many ways to approach that. The, the mo at the most general level, it's, you know, healthy lifestyle. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you are eating well and getting enough sleep and um, doing some kind of relaxation slash meditation, you know, that is help already helping set the stage for being able to cope with some, you know, of those uh, upticks in anxiety. And then I think um, the next piece is those cognitive distortions. Um, which are, you know, basically that sort of irrational, some kind of irrational distortion of what is probably a kernel of truth. Like, yeah, you might not have a good game today. It's possible. It happens. Mm -hmm. Right. But blowing that out of proportion into thinking that I'm not going to be able to perform. I'm really terrible at this. I'm going to let my team down. I'm going to let my coach down. It's going to be awful. The, that kind of thinking, being able to, I, you know, bring it out for one thing, because those thoughts are often automatic and um, often people have never said them out loud and are barely even aware at times of uh, like the full extent of that thinking mm -hmm. pattern. So being able to bring that out so that you can address it and try to bring in that um, element of reality, right? That, yeah, I mean, come on, let's look at, let's look at your performance, you know? Yeah. What are the facts? Like, what's the evidence? Um, so that the athlete can learn to dispute their own um, cognitive distortions. Um, it almost sounds like the the general the negative uh, the negative thought pattern of like just generalizing, just like oh, I played a bad game today. Well, that means every game from here on out for the rest of the season is going to be bad. Or yeah, we over, played... yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I I have one more question, and and this is taking a step back and it's that when we hear anxiety we we normally think that it's always going to be negative but sometimes little bits of anxiety can be good and they can be performance enhancing now obviously there's a level where it becomes debilitating but up to a certain point it can be it can be helpful right yeah absolutely i mean we do um, you know most people do need that little jolt of adrenaline to push themselves to um, perform at the highest level, I think it's when that jolt of adrenaline becomes, 
you know, like an overdose of adrenaline, then it -hmm. is problematic. And I also think, you know, at another level that recognizing your anxiety, particularly when you're a young athlete, helps you moving forward, deal with anxiety that is absolutely going to come up in the future or for anyone, right? So, you know, the younger you are when you can kind of identify that, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> this, this doesn't seem like it's really helpful and, and mm-hmm. be able to look at your own um, patterns of thinking and behaving and, and try to make some changes, um, the, the younger the better, I think. Um, yeah. Did I answer your question there? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that for me in particular, I was, I was particularly fortunate because I had you to tell me that like, oh, well, if I'm about to play a big game or whatever it is, and I like am maybe a little bit quiet or I'm not my usual self before a game, well, yeah, maybe it's anxiety. But before that, I didn't really know what it was. I just always associated it with me just thinking about the game or something. I don't really know. I So I feel like with younger athletes, like you were speaking about, sometimes they just don't know what they're experiencing. And I, I feel like I was... Right. Definitely part of that. Because I think that, um, you know, athletes are expected to be, uh, you know, really strong in this sort of global way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, not only do you have to be kind of good at what you do, but you're not supposed to, like, really experience pain or it's not supposed Mm -hmm. to stop you, right? I mean, and runners are a classic example of that. Oh, yeah, my leg was really bothering me, but yeah, I did the half. And, yeah, you know, it wasn't my best time, but I made it through. And then, you know, you're on your back for a week after that. So that kind of thinking um, makes it really difficult for people to express um, what's really going on with them. And I, I think, you know, certainly when you were coming up, coaches didn't encourage their um, players to to talk about or explore any of that, which now I, I you know has really changed. I think so much for the better. Um, oh. And that also gives an opportunity for people to learn the kind of relaxation and meditation skills that, um, you know, athletes are really using now um, so much more again than, you know, when you were an athlete. And I think when you were talking about how coaches never really encouraged athletes and still to a certain extent don't, there are those coaches that take the person over athlete approach and understand that like, yeah, athletes don't really operate in a vacuum and the only thing going on in their life right now is definitely not this game or this practice. So I think that that's a really big acknowledgement. And it's helping, it's helping mitigate some of the more negative impacts of anxiety when an athlete knows that a coach cares about them more than just as a robot that plays a sport. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that opens up, you know, a lot of space for athletes to be able to talk about their concerns, whether they're concerns about the sport or even life concerns, right? Because often coaches, you know, good coaches, I think, are like, you know, your therapist. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's an opportunity to be able to open up to somebody who just knows you from a sport perspective, so they don't have all the background for the rest of your life but just knowing that they're still going to be there for you and they're still going to be kind of the sounding board for you, I think is really important. And it's a, a mindset that a lot of coaches now are starting to adopt or starting to resource, research a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, what an amazing change for the better. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Well, I think that that's a good, a good ending point, unless you have anything else that you would like to add. Uh, no, I don't. 
Well, I really appreciate you getting on today, Mom. Uh, it's always great to speak to you. I know that I don't always get the chance to talk to you as much as I like, so the opportunity to bring you into a school assignment kind of right into your wheelhouse is, uh, is really cool, and I appreciate you taking the time out today. Uh, well, it is an awesome opportunity for me as well, and uh, always glad to help out. Fantastic. Well, thank you for listening, and uh, stay tuned for the uh, next episodes.